4: This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. As we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour, known as the Tom Sumner Program, we're going to enter the mind of spunky and precocious six-year-old Lily Nilly um, from a delightful new children's book, the first in a series. Uh, about the uh, adventures of lily-nilly, I believe. And uh, the book is called Pardon My French. It's the language of ballet. Written by uh, former New York City-based dancer and choreographer turned author-illustrator Nancy Paris. And Nancy joins me by phone. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for having me.
4: Um, how, how did you... Make the leap from uh, dancing and choreography to writing children's books.
1: Yeah, I like the word make the leap. <laughs> <So>.
4: <laughs> I, I didn't mean to make it sound facetious at all, but uh, but how, how did you uh, dance oh, well, into that new...
1: Yeah, I um I have retired from dance and even at this point in my life it's difficult for me to say the words retired from dance. It was so <laughs> much a part of me for so long. So I had this huge gaping hole in my life and I really felt like I needed to do something creative. I needed to tell a story, but I always considered myself uh, a two-trick pony, let's say. I figured, I thought all I could do in life was dance and create dances. And there was, once that was gone, there was nothing else left for me to do. So in the process, so I decided COVID, you know, for as horrible as it was, it um, especially here in New York, because we were in lockdown, it was a chance to really go inside and figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and I was thinking about it really deeply one day and I thought well you know I can't dance but I can certainly sit down <laughs> and I do have stories to tell so maybe I'll just write a book and I had all these lofty ideas about what I would write and I actually did take a very brief online writing course and um, I thought wait you know I really want to write now I I don't know about these other subjects that interest me other than the fact that I have an interest in them, but I do know about dance, and I do have very vivid memories not only of myself as a dance student, but um, in my career I've also taught children dance. and. They say some of the funniest, most outrageous, craziest things <laughs> <laughs> that would never entered my mind as an adult. But I, I would record them down and I always knew that someday I'd want to do something with them, but I wasn't really sure what. And I just put all these um, different elements together and lily-nilly popped out. <laughs>
4: um- In the process of doing that, how much of Lily Nilly is your student's and and how much of her is you?
1: A a lot of me because everything that happened occurred to me either as a dance student myself and they were these things that I thought about. I mean, I've heard people say they were offbeat, an offbeat way of looking at life, but they didn't seem offbeat to me. This was my thought process. So that was a lot of it. And then some of it was just the funny things that kids would say to me. Um, you know, uh, I could tell you a million examples, but um, and some of them are actually in the book. But it, it was just hilarious. And, and one of the things I always loved to do as a dancer was make people laugh. And not because, you know, my dancing was laughable, but because I wanted to create comedic situations within my choreography. That's i was like my husband says i am my own best audience (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) so that that was kind of you know the inspiration but but i was a very shy child and um a lot of performers will say that but um What the dialogue was that was going on in my mind was not what was coming out of my mouth. So what I gave Lily the ability to do was say out loud what she was thinking and probably what some of the other kids were thinking, too.
4: You're credited as author and illustrator. I understand a lot of people deciding to write, especially about things they know about, like in your case, dance. But not everybody just decides they're going to be an illustrator. Were, were you good at drawing before the idea to write this book came up?
1: Not at all. <laughs> and, in, <laughs> and, in, and the only reason, you know, I had a vision in my mind, and I knew that some of the things took place in a ballet studio, so I wanted to do sketches that I would give to an illustrator and say, well, this is what a plie looks like. This is what a ballet bar looks like, you know, things like that. And so I did these sketches, and I would show them to different people, and they said, you should really illustrate the book. It's a, it, they said, it, it looks like a six-year-old drew it, and you've got to understand that my figures were stick figures. They were <laughs> yeah. stick figures in clothes. And I had one friend that kept telling me, you can do better than this. You can do better than this. And so I just kept trying to do better and better. And then once um, I had my illustrations and I took the whole thing to a book designer to actually be able to design the, the inside of the book, she became my mentor. She would look at something and say, you know all your all your scenes are from the same angle you have to switch up your angles or oh uh, yeah you know it, there was just so many elements i always dealt as a choreographer visually standing you know in front and looking at everything laid out in front of me through and the fourth so, wall Right, exactly. And so that I had to break that tendency and look for different angles or zoom, almost more like a filmmaker than a choreographer. So uh, I had help along the way. I, I really and truly did.
4: That's tremendous. And this is a question I, I ask writers all the time. Um, did you know when you started this book, pardon my French, that it was going to be part of a series or did you get to the end and think wait there's more?
1: Um, I, <laughs> that's a hard question because I did have other stories that I wanted to tell from my childhood um, and they just wouldn't fit in this book but I, I wasn't sure what I had. I live in an apartment building in New York and we have um, an email list of the tenants in the building, so I dashed out an email to everyone in my building, people that I knew and didn't know, and I said, I'm writing this book, you know, do you, any of you have kids or possibly yourself that would just take a look at my manuscript and give me feedback? So, really? Um, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I didn't want to do something that um, I was, you know, do it out of my league, so I wanted to see if I was at least being able to um, touch people, to reach people. And so people were very, very encouraging. And some people actually did say, I can't wait to read more about her upcoming adventures. So all of that together kind of pushed me towards writing a second book. And then I got this crazy idea for Lily Nilly, um, auditioning for a broadway show um and so that was a whole other you know i i have this thing she's auditioning for the musical a little big mouth the, the musical and she said i'm perfect for the role because i'm little and i have a big mouth and that's you know that was the extent of what you know her what she thought was needed to be in a broadway show so that's a third book that i've all also started you know at least sketching out.
4: How much response did you get from the people in your building when you emailed them all?
1: Um, I, you know, I um, I got good response. I mean, considering that a lot of the people didn't know who the heck I was, (laughs) <laughs> and, and some people said, oh, I have a daughter who's a dancer. I have a granddaughter. I There was one lady in my building who was so nice that I really don't know. I, I wouldn't recognize her if I passed her on the street. But her daughter was a dance major in college, and she sent the manuscript to the daughter, and then the daughter sent it to someone else, and I was getting... All this feedback. So people were quite generous, and then there were other people who never responded to the email, but that's fine too.
4: Well, I just I just wondered because that seems like um, going out on a limb a little bit because so many of them were were strangers, and yet you had their email addresses, so you included them, and and I just wondered how responsive uh, people would be to something like that because we don't know our neighbors very much. These days,
1: Yeah, we don't, but, you know, maybe COVID actually had something to do with it
2: because
1: people were at home, but people, I think, I want to say New York, but I think all over the country, there's a sense of community, and we're all in this together, and, you know, let's deal with it the best we can, and let's help out others who are, you know, trying new things, or maybe that's a Pollyanna view of the world, but um, I really think that people were uh, more apt to help me out just because of the situation we were all in.
4: How long did it take you to write this book?
1: It didn't take long at all. It just kind of came and came and came, the initial book. Then I had to go through the, <laughs> the, the editing. Whole editing. <laughs> and, and plus I sent out, you know, uh, the people that I sent the manuscript out to, I also said, please, if there's something you don't understand, or if something isn't clear, let me know. So I did take their notes to heart. I had, I had a lot of dancer friends who read it say, what does this mean? What does that mean? You know, things like that. Or some, Because I, I was writing it for a young year, but I am, you know, a baby boomer. So one friend said, I don't think people would understand that reference today, <laughs> <laughs> or the kids anyway, you know, so... Yeah, so it was, uh, the, the editing and the drawing was the longest process because I had to do each picture, you know, over several times in order that, you know, the arms weren't too long, the head wasn't too small or too, you know, or whatever. So, but it was all fun. I loved it. I, I couldn't wait to get to, to write and to draw when I woke up in the morning. It really gave me something to do over this long period of time when we were in lockdown that that really made me very, very happy.
4: Well, my, uh, my guest is uh, Nancy Paris, former New York City-based dancer and choreographer turned author and illustrator who brings to life uh, uh, six-year-old Lily Nilly, mm-hmm. a uh, spunky and precocious uh, six-year-old ballerina. In a new book, pardon my French, it's The Language of Ballet, The Adventures of Lily Nilly. Um, Lily Nilly is six. How old do you think uh, the readers of this book
1: are? Yeah, you know, that was another concern because I wrote it in my mind as a children's book, but I've always been very impressed with Other forms of entertainment that like Sesame Street and um, Robin Williams in Aladdin, where there was definitely a level that the kids understood, but there was another level above that that, uh, you know, would amuse the adults. So I had that in mind. I did um, kind of do some market research. I sent it to a seven-year-old and I sent it to 12-year-olds, you know. 14-year-olds, and I found that um, some of the language for the younger kids, some of the vocabulary, they might need help in understanding, but there were still situations that they could relate to. So I'm thinking that, you know, it's an opportunity to become involved in what your child is reading if they don't understand a word they can like my mom always used to say she said go look it up in the dictionary which, yeah my know. dad used to <laughs>
4: pull that one on me <laughs> hey, um, Nancy I have to put a comma here can uh, you stand by for a few minutes so we can talk some more Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a short break. Let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we will uh, have more with author-illustrator Lily Nilly after we break for a few messages. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back.
5: All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters.
3: The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19,
5: Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
4: Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with the author and illustrator of a new book about a spunky and precocious six-year-old ballerina named Lily Nilly. The book is called Pardon My French. It's the Language of Ballet, The Adventures of Lily Nilly, and the author is called Nancy Paris and she joins me by phone. Nancy, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around and sorry to make you sit through all that. That's okay. <laughs> um you know, I, I, I thought about a couple of things. Um we were talking about uh Lily Nilly and and um and her humor uh, is is a big part of this uh this book for kids. Um, tell me she's got a brother named Willie.
1: <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> that's how I, I thought of Lily Nilly, because um, I was originally going to call her Nancy Francie, which is my name. I'm Nancy Fran, but there is another children's book out there with a similar title. So I thought... Too much confusion. So we, I was, go, I like the name Lily, and I was just going through, you know, things that rhyme with different names that I liked, and um, lily nilly just came out because I guess willy nilly was in my brain. So <laughs>
4: <laughs> it just seems like she has to have a brother named Willie. But um, but the thing that I that I do want to ask you on a more serious note is is despite. Um, her humor and precociousness and so on, that that you wanted to be part of this book. It also revolves around uh, ballet. I Mm -hmm. mean, pardon my French, it's the language of ballet. Are people, uh, young and old, uh, who read this book, are they likely to learn a little bit more about the art form ballet?
1: Um, I think what you'll learn from it is um, the amount of um, that work, work that goes into ballet even when you're a little one. And uh, she's in a ballet studio that is, um, you know, they're a little more serious about the way that children are trained. They learn the the French terminology. They have color-coded leotards for their age group. A lot of um, neighborhood schools, you know, they're more for fun and, you know, and health and exercise and and hopefully getting kids interested in dance in general so they'll have an appreciation as they get older. But um, I also wanted to make, even though it's set in a ballet studio, I wanted to make the stories relatable, even if you've never been in a ballet studio and make some of the characters recognizable so that you don't have to have a background in ballet to, to enjoy the book, although it does add another layer.
4: Well, I ask because ballet is a way of telling a story itself, and, mm-hmm. and I just wondered if um, along the way if, if people maybe... Understand how to hear that story or see that story a little better from reading this story?
1: Well, you know, it's possible. I never, that's a really great question, and I never thought of it in those terms. But one example in the book comes to mind in that Lily is learning a very basic step with the rest of her class, which includes a lot of repetition and they're not allowed to use their arms they have to concentrate on the movement of the legs and the feet and so in her mind she can't believe that the joy of dance comes down to this very boring step that she has to do over and over so she creates this scenario in her mind and that the fact that she can't has to keep her hands on their hips is very reminiscent of the way her tea set, her Beauty and the Beast tea set looks. And so she's, she <laughs> becomes convinced that the reason why she's doing this very boring step over and over again is because her dance, her dance teacher has a big surprise and they're going to do a big Beauty and the Beast dance. And a part of it is that the little kids are going to be the teacups. So um, she, she uses her imagination to take the movement that she's learning and transcend it. So I think anybody can look at dance because it's not a verbal, you know, it's visual, and it's really in the in the eye of the beholder to create. Um, it's theater of the mind. It's like radio. It's theater of the mind. So I think people. It maybe can set people on that track to thinking that it is um, not just a bunch of random movement, but there's. Some intent behind it, and for you personally to find that intent.
4: It's um, I, I, I can't help wondering if would you be able to tell this story without illustrations?
1: Um, I think so. I think that the the words are. Um, I had actually. I had one of my neighbors is an artist. And she read it and she told me, even before there were any illustrations, she told me that for her as an artist it was very visual. So she in her mind could see, even if she didn't exactly know what a plie was, although I did describe you know, what it looks like, that she in her mind could create a visual to go along with the story. So. Um, Perhaps it could be a standalone, a very short, <laughs> but a standalone <laughs> book.
4: <laughs> um, with this book and the ones that are planned, do you expect this to be a trilogy or an ongoing series? Uh,
1: right now, it it's a trilogy, but I would real, I really love this little girl, and she is growing up. She's going to be seven in the next, the second book that I'm working on now. And um, I would really um, like to see her progress. Now, will there be a 39-year-old Lily Nilly? Maybe not. <laughs> 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 I, it's going to stop somewhere. <laughs> but I, I have all these um, ideas, and um, I, I'd like to just see where it takes me, You know, kind of go with the flow, as they say.
4: Because of Lily-nilly's personality and the presence of ballet, uh, this and, and as you described it, a, a lot of the writing is very visual. Um, I, I keep imagining this with animation.
1: You know you're not you, other people have told me that as well. Yeah, I, I could totally see her as, a, as an animated character.
4: Is that something you would like to see happen?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Some part I of the journey. Yeah, that would be that would be so much fun. Actually, part of my background is filmmaking as well. I there was a a juncture in my life when I was in um college where I didn't know if I really wanted to continue in a dance life, but I um, had become very interested in how films are put together and filmmaking. So there is always that that element. So I would love to see those two things married together, um, an animated version, but, you know, in in a visual story. That would be fun.
4: So dance and ballet wasn't your first foray or your only foray into storytelling until now
1: um yeah now yeah i you know i totally forgot but yeah (laughs) i did some films in college as well yeah
4: um do you think the the fact that you danced and and especially the the fact that you danced ballet at least for some of your career um, led you to think it like a storyteller
1: you know i think it was more because i i trained early on in ballet it's like with music you learn the class or painting you learn the classics first and then you branch off a lot of my career was not as a ballet dancer although I always kept up my ballet skills. I was um, a modern dancer, and um, I did jazz, a lot of musical theater. And even as a choreographer, I would be handed a piece of music, and until I had a story in my mind about what the journey of this dance would be, I, I couldn't think of any movement. Not that uh, it still might have looked like abstract movement to the viewer, the audience, but in my mind, there was always a story.
4: I, you know, I had <laughs> this, this flash through my mind of um, lily-nilly with, with her hands, you know, stuck to her sides because she wasn't supposed to move her hands. And, and then you mentioned jazz, and I thought, you can't do jazz without hands.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> but see, that's the thing I mean with, with dance ballet is so um, it's, it's one of uh, there's this saying and I'm not making this up I, if, if, if ballet were any easier they'd call it football so, <laughs> <laughs> ballet is one of the hardest dance skills to master because it is so precise so exact so you really have to learn it as a child, one body part at a time. <laughs> you know, either you do the arms, you learn the, the path of the arms, or you learn what the legs are doing, and then you learn to put it all together. So, but in jazz and in, in contemporary and modern, it's really more of the whole body movement, and uh, it, it's a lot easier to be um, self-expressed in those other art forms initially than it is in ballet now ballet once you get the you know it's the whole icing and the cake thing once you have your cake in place which is your technique and your correct way of doing it then that's when the fun and the expression begins but it's very hard you're using so much brain power especially as a little kid to try to interpret what they're seeing and listening, what their teacher is telling them, that it's all about just the mechanics of it. So, But if Lily were in a hip-hop class or a (laughs) jazz class, she would be having a ball.
4: (laughs) MC Lily Nilly. Yeah,
2: right. (laughs) Oh,
4: that's funny. Um, When you... uh, Reached out to the people in your building, and and I I just think that was such an amazing thing to do, uh, Nancy. That I, and it makes me wonder because I ask a lot of writers this because writing is kind of a solitary thing. Um, if they if they enjoy the feedback, if they enjoy doing readings and book signings and getting out and meeting people and getting feedback from people um, who have read the book. Um, Do you enjoy that part of it or you said, I think in the last segment that you tend to be a little bit of an introvert?
1: Yeah, you know, part of being um, learning dance is getting constant critique, constant, you know, and if it gets to a point, if you don't get critique, you become uh, sad because it means that the teacher wasn't really paying attention to you. So... I do always, always ask for uh, critique on the writing. And, of course, like I'm human, I, I, I have expectations. And when people tell me, well, no, that doesn't work, I have a momentary, you know, wah, wah. But then I know, I say to myself, no, if what they're saying is valid, it's going to make my work better, so I'm going to pay attention. And I, I actually did that a lot. You know like you can't please every, you know you can't please everyone, but you can listen to how things are landing with other people and see if if that's really true and it's the old you know the old saying if three people say the same thing then there's something you need to deal with
4: with the writing of this book and and you mentioned that um uh, a lot of things were inspired by things you experienced as a ballet student, as a as a child learning ballet, and um, and that you had more stories to tell going forward. and And I always ask writers if they um, if if they write an outline and then you know flesh that out in the writing of the book, or if they just sort of binge write and um, and it sounds to me like this book kind of poured out like it almost wrote itself
1: yeah i it, i did I did binge write, it. <laughs> and then i once I had it, I looked at it, and I had um a friend look at it, and some of the chapters got reordered, and uh, so it made more sense and um you know, because there really has to be a flow to the book, even though it's a bunch of little vignettes, there's got to be a connecting thread through all of them, so um, I just needed to get everything out on paper and then go back and um, see if it made sense and and move what needed to be moved and deleted what needed to be deleted.
4: Well, as you write uh, the next two books, um, which Sound to me like they they're promising to be the further adventures of Lily Nilly. Yeah. Um, are they going to be um, sequential, or will they they all three be standalone? Uh,
1: well, I I think that they could be standalone um, because I in the in the second book I'm writing, I do a very brief recap of what happened in the first. Just mention one or two incidents, um, which gives you a clue into who Lily Nilly is. If you haven't read the first book, I think you still get an idea of, you know, this little this little kid who says whatever is on her mind and <laughs> is not afraid to say it. Um, but I think that in a series, you would really get a chance to know who this little girl is and, and understand um, where she's coming from. But the second book it takes place in the summer between, um, between her ballet school sessions. And even though she, she references ballet um, in some of the chapters, not all of the stories are ballet related at all. They're they're just, they're things that actually happened to me when I was a kid that you know were were kind of outrageous although I didn't realize it at the time.
4: Now you said it's hard, uh, it's still hard to say retired dancer. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that you're not doing dance uh, professionally,
1: Mm
4: -hmm. um, can you dance for fun?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't I I um I don't jump the way I used to jump or, you know, <laughs> but um I um I still I I had a, a bad knee injury also Co- um along with all of this I had a torn meniscus. So my dream is to get back into even if it's a, a beginning dance class is to get back into class and just move a little. It's so much a part of who I am. I I can't totally drop that aspect of myself.
4: When um, did or does the book uh, officially drop? Um, uh,
1: do you mean when is it published? Yeah. Um, oh, it it's published. It it came out in um, uh, the end of November.
4: Oh, okay. So it's been out for a few weeks.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: mm-hmm. Um. How did the the publishing of the book come about? I, I mean, did you shop the book around to to publishers? How, how do how do you say? Well, I used to be a dancer, but I wrote a book.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, well, um, I self published because oh, okay. I was looking. A lot you know, of people I are. Yeah, and I have, I actually have people who are in the music industry, too, and, you know, it's that same thing, you have to work to get a literary agent or a music agent, and then that agent has to shop it around to all the publishers, and, you know, rejection, 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 and um, I thought, I can't wait three years, I want to do this now, so it's, um, you know, it's, I worked with a book designer who's published a lot of children's books before, who's worked on a lot of them. She was a great mentor to me and helped me figure out the ins and outs. But that's basically what I did. And I was actually talking to a very well known book author who was a slight acquaintance, a children's book author. He went the route of um, publishing, getting a publisher to to um, publish his books, and it was a very, he's very successful now, but it was a very long and daunting process for him, and he said, I wish, he said, looking back on it now, he said, I wish I had self-published, but back then it wasn't quite as easy, and the amount of work that you have to do aside from your creative was also a little daunting. Like he said to me, I didn't want to sell the books out of the back of my trunk of my car. (laughs) So, you know, I I just did it. I I took a stab at it. I, you know, I I love doing this. I I love writing. I love drawing. And in fact, if I had gone to a publisher, they would have found an, an illustrator and I would have denied myself you know, that experience, whether I continue on as an illustrator, you know.
4: Did you do the cover?
1: Um, I did the cover, yeah. I did all the illustrations.
4: Because I love the cover. I think it looks great.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It was was fun. But, you know, being a dancer and looking at yourself and other dancers in the mirror for years, I mean, my training went on, you know, it, it was still ongoing. You get to know what... The you know legs look like, or a dancer's legs look like, or you know different bo- da- body positions. So to replicate it wasn't that difficult. My problem my problem was things being too like legs being too long or arms being too short. The shape was right. It's just the dimension was a little off. <laughs> then I would rely on well even my sister. She looked, took one look at one of the pictures and said her legs are too long. You know so. I looked at, yeah,
4: you're right, you know. So I I did take a lot of coaching. Well, Nancy, I'm having a lot of fun talking with you. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. We're just about out of time here in a couple of minutes, and I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you and or Lily have a uh, website you would like to share?
1: Sure. Um, Lily has a website. It's lilynilly.com, and the Lily and the Nilly have two L's in them. So it's L-I-L-L-Y-N-I-L-L-Y, lilynilly.com. And so there's a link to Amazon where the book can be purchased, and I'm in the process of making a website just for myself. It's on my to-do list, but yeah. Yeah.
2: I
4: I hear that a lot from people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they have a website that's uh you know under construction or being repaired or you know something but uh yeah but but Lily has one and that's that's important and Lily has one Nancy it's so nice talking with you thank you for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning
1: Oh thank you this has been so much fun I really appreciate the questions Tom they were great
4: all right. Take care. You too. That was uh, Nancy Paris, um, former New York City-based dancer and choreographer, turned turned author and illustrator of uh, a new book, the first in a series. Pardon my French. It's the language of ballet: the adventures of Lily Nilly. If you're listening to us on uh, WFOV ninety-two point one. LPFM in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Hearing. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well.
2: Hey! (laughs) This is the Unknown Comic
4: and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now!
2: And now and now too and even now.
3: This is our shot.
0: Now it's up to you.
5: Ray.
3: Hi there folks, this is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office.
6: I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your
4: weekend right. Go to 11, Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program.
5: Ellen Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take riding lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's she's smart. She takes speed a tiny blue diet pill, you don't have to be overweight to need. And then I collect these paper bags, and I have them right here, all folded and everything, in case anyone needs a paper bag, I have Yes, speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know, I don't fold them just any old way. Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription today? And when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor, and your mother's doctor, and your college roommate's doctor, and your best friend from high school's doctor, and your babysitter's I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors.
3: Rod Serling. Rod Serling what's this the twilight zone where is everybody i would
5: have been headed for the twilight zone twilight zone if i go lower, i'll be in the twilight zone all right
3: all <laughs> oh, the jethro's right at home in the twilight zone <laughs> i'm in the twilight zone now having made this little jaunt into the twilight zone i got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the twilight zone
1: hi this is ann serling and you're listening to the tom sumner program <music>
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
3: Uh, I travel around a whole lot, friends, and I see all all manner of different things all the time. And uh, here the other day, I seen one of them ballets, Swan Lake it is called, and it is pretty, just pretty as it could be. And them women sure can broad jump. And the fine part about it, the fine part about it is that, that they, the, the steps that they do have got these French names. And every time they take a step on that stage, it means something. Now this Swan Lake opens up on this young prince that is having his coming of age birthday party. And all the guests come up and they are doing a step called the pas de trois. <laughs> and that's where you circle your foot three times and kindly kick up high. And that means there's going to be good times had tonight. (laughs) And we may be up till three. (laughs) And while they was a party trying, all these swans come up on the stage. And the princes party tried right over to them. And was just before a killing them swans. When all of a sudden, as if by magic, there was one of them, you see, that was wearing a great big gold crown. And that swan turned from, from a swan into a beautiful young girl. And she was doing a step called the, the rounds of jamba. And that means I am a girl and she was too. And so, so right off the prince knowed, he was in love of her. And he done a step called the fouette. And that's where you hold one finger up and one hand down and just kindly turn And look, and that means I think you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen and I want to kiss you. (laughs) And he started to, he started to, and the girl, she done a step called the potty dog. And that means take your cotton picking hands off of my shoulders. As it it turned out, as as it turned out, as it turned out, All of them swans was really girls, but they had had this curse put on them saying they couldn't never be girls again until some young boy would give his life for them. And so when the prince learnt of it, he done a kind of a manly leap that meant, I will, I'll give my life for them. And so this great rain come, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it wasn't no ordinary rain. It was a frog strangler. The, the water, the water kept a coming up and a coming up and a coming up and it got up about chin high and then they done a step called the subasunt. And that's where you get up on your toes and wave like that and that means I am drowning. <laughs> and they did. They did. They all drowned. The boys and the swans and everybody. But they all come to life again and that's what makes it such a pretty story. They all come to life again, and the boys, they were still boys, but the swans, they was all pretty girls. And the prince, he married that, and that was wearing the gold crown, and the rest of the boys, they took their pick of what was left. <laughs> and they wound up the ballet doing a step called the assembla, uh, a la courtremer a la derriere. <laughs> and that means, friends, that means That means save your Confederate money, boys. The South's gonna rise again.
2: This was
0: another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
4: it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversations with, uh, well, Nancy Paris, author of Pardon My French. And uh, before that, uh, Dr. Amy Krambeck, talking about uh, urology and advances in treatment options for prostate conditions. We started out this morning with poet, um uh, uh, Jacob Hunt, also known as Other Poet, talking about his new book, Shift, an interesting uh, way of putting together a book of poetry. And uh, with that, we're off for the weekend, but I'll be back Monday with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, Talk everybody. The Tom
0: Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show. find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program and thanks for listening.